need you guys' prayers uh, for this morning, um, but then for the, uh, really until tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to need your prayers, seriously. Um, Tess is out of town uh, at a wedding in Vermont, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've broken my record for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, please pray for me about that. I, I don't want to eat six more today, too. So uh, anyway, we're, uh, we're looking at, we're still in the I Am series. Um, uh, as you know, Jesus makes eight uh, I Am statements. And today in John 10, uh, starting at verse 11, he says that I am the good shepherd. And so we're going to, we're going to, Look at that today and, and try to chop it up a little bit. Um, so we're going to read that verse. Uh, we're going to read that 11 through 15. We'll pray and then we'll get into it. Are y'all feeling good? Good, 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 good. All right. Uh, and it reads as thus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me uh, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. Uh, twice uh, in this span of verses, Jesus says two things twice. I am the good shepherd, and then I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. We thank you for uh, being so good to us. Thank you, God, that you would meet us in this place. Um, God, we ask that you, uh, first of all, please forgive us of our sins. Wash us, God, with your forgiveness. Um, God, we ask that even in these moments that I would uh, decrease and that you would increase. Uh, for your glory, uh, we ask you speak to all of our hearts and um, our expectations from you, and we need to hear from you. Um, we thank you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. He says, I am the good shepherd. Twice he says this. So we're going to take notice of this. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he says it again near the end of the passage. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The first thing that jumps out to me is that this is just basic leadership. Leadership 101. And basic good leadership because he says, I'm not just a shepherd, I'm a good shepherd. And so basic, uh, but still good leadership says that I don't expect anything of you that I haven't done or wouldn't do myself. And so Jesus being the ultimate leader, the ultimate leader says to us, first of all, I am the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd, okay? You're not the shepherd. I'm not following you, 
the Bible says in, in Psalms that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so we're the sheep. And then here he lets us know that I am the shepherd. So we're the sheep. He's the shepherd. And our job basically is to follow him. It's pretty simple. Our job basically is to follow him and follow his lead. And so right after saying that he's the shepherd and his sheep, we know that we're supposed to follow his lead. What does he do? What lead does he give that we're supposed to follow? He says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. And then he says it again. I'm the shepherd. Of course, we know we're supposed to follow him. And so again, how do do we know that he's the shepherd? He said, you'll know the shepherd because the shepherd is the one that lays down his life. And so what he's doing here is is, is when when shepherd and sheep... You know, uh, of course, even if from, in a natural sense of Jesus uh, being a, a shepherd, uh, uh, we know that he spoke Aramaic um, among other languages, but he spoke Aramaic here, and then you have this sheep. The sheep doesn't speak Aramaic, of course. And so when he wants, uh, you already knew that, okay. So uh, when he wants the sheep to do something, he just does it. When he wants the sheep to go a certain way, he just goes. And the sheep know where to go and what to do by just watching him. They know that it's time to be on the move when they see that he's moving. They know that it's time to stop and eat or stop and drink because he stops. And so they know just by watching him what they ought to do. And so he's letting us know here I'm the shepherd, and I lay down my life. I lay down my life. And, and he's, kind of, uh, he's, he's, he's kind of letting us know what we ought to do by saying, I'm the leader, and this is what I did. I did it the other night. Uh, Tess is not here, so I can tell you about it. Um, <laughs> I was, I, we were watching uh, a show on TV, and I said, hey, babe, put your feet up. You know, put your feet up on my lap. So she put her feet up on my lap, and I, and I rubbed her feet for about 10 seconds. And then uh, I felt like that wasn't enough. I, I, I felt like she, like she didn't think that was enough. So I, I did it for like two minutes after that. I went all the way. Um, and so the next night, we're sitting on the couch, we're watching TV. And I was like, uh, you know, she said, what, you, you're thinking about something. What are you thinking about? And I said, well... I did rub your feet last night, and I'm not, and she says, what are you trying to say? It's like, no, nothing. I just, I was thinking about how I rubbed your feet last night. That's all. Just, and so what I was doing, even though she didn't catch on, uh, but I kind of think she did. What I was doing was through leadership, <laughs> through, through good leadership, I, I, I might add. Uh, trying to get her to see what she ought to do uh, by just following my lead. Um, and so that's what Jesus is doing here. <laughs> uh, she, she didn't do it. It, it. it didn't work. I thought it was good leadership, though, nonetheless. Um, and so Jesus lets us know just by saying, I'm the shepherd and I lay down my life. And so it's, what do you think he wants you to do? Well, we know already he wants us 
to give his, he wants us to give our lives to him. And, and, and we were meant to follow him. We, we have to realize as sheep, we were meant to follow him. As a matter of fact, we were made to follow him. I saw in, uh, in an article 11 years ago in 2005 that a group of sheep, uh, 1,500 sheep ended up going off a cliff. 1,500 sheep ended up going off a cliff to the death of most of them just because one of them went off. One of them, just one, went off. And then the other 1,499 went off the cliff. And that's a drastic way to, to say something that is obvious that sheep were meant to follow. And when Jesus is letting us know that we're, that we're the sheep, he's really letting us know that we are made to follow him. We are made to follow him. It's, it, it's just this innate thing deep down in sheep where they just have this desire to follow. And, and you know, God didn't want us to go off a cliff. If one of you went off a cliff, I promise you I wouldn't go too. But he wants us to follow him and we, he's trying to let us know that in essence, we're made to follow him. We were made to follow him. We were made to follow him. I remember I was, uh, I was playing with my niece the other day, uh, London, who's here. Um, and we were having a conversation. And we were, we were having a conversation. She's two? Two. Just turned two. And so we were having a conversation. And I said, hey, London, what's going on? And uh, and she knows my name. Well, she says Durrett, Durrett, like, like that. And she's like Durrett. And and I said what? And she said, Atman, Bali, uh, Sobali, um, Dadu. And uh, <laughs> and and I said, well, it's it's, uh, it's funny you feel that way. Um, <laughs> It's when you feel that way. And I said, I have to come up with another way to interact with her. Uh, I have a feeling she doesn't completely know the English language. Um, and, and, and so I said, well, I thought to myself, what could I do that right away her and I would just be on the same page? There would be no doubt in her mind what's going on. There would be no uh, gap in, 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 in communication. And so I, I kid you not, this is the other day. She was sitting on the couch. And I got up, I tagged her, I tagged her on the arm, and this is the couch. I just, I, I tagged her on the arm, and I started going around the couch. She, without thinking, it was like an immediate re reaction, almost like a, an involuntary reaction. She, without, without thinking, got up. I mean, it was like there was no, no words were said. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't tell her what the rules were and do anything like that. Tagged her, got up, started turning the corner around the couch. Her eyes got big. She jumps off the couch and starts following me around the couch. This went on for about three or four minutes. Um, and she's following me. And the whole time she is laughing and yelling and like eyes just big and smiling and just having the time of her life and doesn't know this is the dumbest game ever. <laughs> um, 
Didn't even know. There's tons of gangs better than this. But, but she was having, I didn't even have to explain to her. It was just this natural thing that he tagged me and then he went. And so just naturally, you know, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure anybody ever explained the rules to her, but she just knew. She just knew is the crazy thing, and it's funny, but it's but it's but it, there's truth to it at the same time that she just knew to come after the guy who came after me. She knew without being explained what was going on. She knew automatically, involuntarily, to come after the person who came after me. And which is why Paul says in uh, Paul says in Philippians 3 and 12, I must apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that Jesus, God came after me. God, in essence, came after me. And in turn, I'm going to get up from where I am and come after the God who came after me. And so just, and, and, and you don't have to be spiritually mature. You don't have to really know a whole lot of verses. You don't really have to know your Bible that well, but just know that God came after you and that ought to invoke a response in you. Something inside of you, like my niece just knew, just knew she had never read her Bible, but she knew what the rules were. And, and just to know that God came after you, there ought to be something inside of you that says, I'm not going to feel right until I get up from where I am, leave where I am, leave the comfort of where I'm sitting, where I'm living, and go after the God who came after me. Songs of Solomon uh, explains it this way, even in Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon talks about the the the... the the, it talks about the woman, it talks about it from the standpoint of a woman and being chased by the man and how the man, and she's talking about God and it's referring to God and, and God's love and what God's love looks like. And so it says that, uh, that my lover chased me and, 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 and then it says that, you know, eventually they got up and, and, and went after their lover and chased the one who chased them. And so it's a picture, it's, it's showing you a picture of our relationship with God. And ultimately, God initiated it with us. He initiated it. And I think, and, and I think for some of us, that may not invoke a response to go after him because we don't think that he came after us. I think some of us, even in, within the body of Christ, believe that maybe you believe that you're here because somebody invited you. Maybe you think that you're here because uh, you just decided just one day, it just seemed like a real good thing to do. I'm just going to start going to church. That one day, it just seemed like, the, it just seemed like a good thing to do. You know, well, let's, it's Sunday, Sunday morning. I don't have anything else to do. Let's, 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 let's honor God. It just, it just seemed like, it almost seemed like you did it yourself. You came to that place yourself. But the Bible lets us know that none seek God. There is not one person that said, I came to this place in God by myself. We are all here. That's why the, that's why the Bible lets us know that there should be no pride at the foot of the cross. That there's no room for that. Because we all have, no matter how your testimony plays out and how many people are involved, we all have the common base of our testimony that we are here because God 
tagged you and said, you're it, and took off. And if you're here, you're here because you said, I'm just, I'm, I don't feel right. I'm going to go. I don't know why, but I got to go. And I'm going to go after the God who came after me. And, and the more you realize that he came after you, he came after you, that should make you want to worship him. People shouldn't have to convince you to come to church. People shouldn't have to call you on Sunday morning and wake you up just to know that the God that I love so much came after me should be enough to make me want to pursue him. God desires our obedience, and he desires that we follow him. He desires our obedience, and he desires that we follow him. Uh, the Bible says in the, in the Bible days that the people made sacrifices uh, because of sin. And when sin was committed, God took sin so seriously that, and this was part of the rules uh, at that time, God took sin so seriously that when sin was committed, the rule was that something had to die. And I, that, that, that may blow your mind because I think sometimes we don't take sin that seriously. We just do it and keep on going and, and, and don't realize how seriously it wrenches the heart of our God. I think if we realize the Bible says sin hurts God so much that when we sin, the Bible says it is as if we crucify him afresh. It is as if it, it, it's, it's like if we sin, we might as well put him back on the cross and make him feel the nails all over again and make him feel the lashes all over again, make him feel the nails going through his feet all over again when we sin. If, if you knew, I think if we knew, and I'm not trying to, 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 to guilt trip you, but I think if we knew the grief it caused our God when we sin, maybe we wouldn't do it so much. Maybe we wouldn't do it so freely, just, just easily, just, just lie, just because, just cheat, just, just, just off of a whim, uh, just commit adultery just because it feels right in the moment. Just pick up the laptop and start with the, go to the website just, just because it, it, just, it just felt right at 2 o'clock in the morning to do. And we do it so easily, do it so easily, not knowing how much it hurts our God. And I think there's not one of us that would raise your hand and say, yes, I would put Jesus back on the cross. But yeah, we do it every day. We do it every day. And God takes sin so seriously that the rules were that when sin was committed, something had to die. And so knowing that something had to die, that they would take a bull or a lamb or a goat and they would drag this thing to the altar drag this thing to the altar alive, drag it to the altar, put it on the altar, tie it down to the altar so that it wouldn't go anywhere and kill it. And that was the sacrifice for sin. That's what the sacrifice for sin looked like. And so the, the animal had to be dragged to the altar. Why? Because it did not want to go. I mean, it's pretty easy to understand. It's just, it didn't want to go. Seeing what was going to take place or, or having a feeling of what was about to go down, the animal would start to pull back. And so they had to drag it with force it was taken to the altar, whether it wanted to go or not, and tie it down so that it wouldn't leave. 
And so the Bible lets us know that when, and, and this is now we're talking about the atonement for sin. Now, when it came down for Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sin for all time, the Bible lets us know that he was the first sacrifice ever, never to be dragged to the altar. He was the first sacrifice to just come. He was the first sacrifice to present himself. The first sacrifice to say, where do you want me to sit? The Bible says, as the, as the lamb before his shears is dumb, and so he opened not his mouth. And when it came time to defend himself, the Bible says he wouldn't even say anything because he might get out of it. And any time, one of my favorite songs is a song that says, it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It wasn't, it wasn't the nails. He could have come down any time. He could have stopped uh, the, the, as, as it was going on. He could have stopped it any time and said, that's, that's all right. Enough is enough. There's nothing in it for me. I'm going to go back to heaven. And, and he could have stopped it any time, but he willingly, the Bible lets us know, he willingly presented himself. There's another song that says, what, what manner of love is this? What kind of love is that? I, I, I was listening to a song by Christy Knockers the other day, uh, uh, yesterday, that said, his grace amazes me. His grace amazes me. And we ought to be amazed. I don't care if you're black or white, rich or poor, what kind of a background you came from. We ought to be amazed by the, by the grace of God. By God who came and put himself on the altar when he had, when there was nothing in it for him. There was no benefit for him to leave. He was already God. He, there was no benefit to him to leave his spot sitting on the right hand of the Father and come and allow uh, to go through pain and sorrow and hurt and all these things for the first time. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 51 that his visage was marred more than any man. It just means that he was beat to a bloody pulp. The, he was unrecognizable. And so that, that, that picture we see is so false, hanging on the cross and his hair is hanging and, and got the little thing and you can see his eyes and, and, you know, and he's got a little, little, little scar here and a little scratch here. The Bible says his visage was marred more than any man. He was unrecognizable. Beat to a pulp. The people that stood, uh, his mom and his brother stood and watched what was going on. They couldn't even recognize him. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. And so Jesus, being our leader, being our shepherd, and leading us without even saying anything, without having to, and trying to lead us the right way to go, the Bible lets us know he presented himself. He presented himself. Nobody made him do it. Nobody said he had to. God didn't make him. As an act of his own love and will, he presented himself. And so Romans 12 and 1 says that, uh, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you ought to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so what it's saying that is, you ought to present yourself. When it comes down to living for God, present yourself. When it comes down to, to stopping uh, these, these different things that we do that annoy God, the Bible says present yourself. Do it yourself. 
Stop the pornography yourself. Stop the adultery yourself. Someone in this room uh, has someone that they need to forgive. Stop the unforgiveness yourself. And the Bible says that we ought to do this. We ought to do this on our own. Do it on our own. Uh, And he says, Paul goes on to say, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that we ought to present ourselves a living sacrifice. He says, don't just present yourself, do it by the mercies of God. In other words, do it while God is still having mercy on you. Do it before he goes upside your head. Do it, uh, quit now before his mercy turns into wrath. And, 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 and there are some of you, there's some of us, and, I, and, I, and I've, I've walked in this, down this path myself. I know because I've done this myself. There have been times in my life and my spiritual immaturity that God has had to go upside my head before I would change. And, and, it, and it's really just a sign of, at the time, it was a sign of my spiritual immaturity. At the, at the time, it was, it was just a, an obvious sign to God that in his eyes, I was a baby. I was a baby because he had to put me on my back to change me. You look at a, 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 a six-month-old six baby. Um, my, my, my niece is two now, but I remember uh, seeing her change, seeing her being changed. I never did it. Um, uh, never. But uh, I remember seeing her being changed. I remember at six months, uh, April, my, uh, April took her, April, her mom, uh, took her and put her on the bed and, and put her on her back and then, uh, you know, started to change her. Uh, that was a pretty nasty process. I don't even want to describe it. But it started to change her. And, and the thing was that because of where she was, because of, uh, of where she was from a standpoint of physical maturity, which is natural for any baby, and you all know, that she had to be changed on her back. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 37 years old, and I don't have to be on my back to change. I can actually, I can walk up to the closet and, and really in about 30 seconds have on a new outfit, but I can change standing up. I can change standing up. But at six months, I couldn't do that. At six months years old, at, at, at six months old, I had to be on my back to change. And it's really a sign of how far I've come from a standpoint of physical maturity. And, 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 and this gauges, it just to let you know where you are and how far you are in, within the body of Christ, how far you are in God from a standpoint of maturity. If you want to know, am I a baby in Christ? You can't really see it. You can, somebody could be 6'4", 300 pounds, uh, 50 years old, and be a baby in Christ. So you can't really see, looking at somebody, physically, whether they're a baby in Christ. And so if you ever wonder, here's how you can know. It's one of, the, one of the ways that you can know. What does it take for you to change? When God wants you to do something, what, 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 what does that process look like for you to stop doing something or for you to start doing something? What does he have to do? How far does he have to go to get you to realize what he wants you to do? And there are some of you in this room, when, when God says, you re, when the moment you realize, oh God, this is what you want me to do, I'm on it, and you change, and you do what he wants you to do. And then there are some of you, because, because and I've been here before, because you are more of a baby in Christ, that he has to put you on your back. 
Just like my sister-in-law did with my niece. He had to, because of where she was, he had to, she had to put her on her back to change her. And do you, and so I ask you the question, do you have to be on your back to change? Some of you in here, there's a, all of us in here, the Bible talks about the process of uh, sanctification. There's salvation once you give your life to God, and then there's sanctification, which means there's a series of steps that God wants you to make, and this continues until we go to be with Jesus. And so every single one of you in this room has a step that God wants you to make. And so quite honestly, what is it going to take for you to make that step. What is it going to take? Just, is just knowing that he wants you to do it enough? Or does he have to put you on your back like old times? What is it going to take? God desires o- o- obedience from us. And at the end of the day, he, he, he wants us to be obedient to him. He wants us to follow him. Um, just on a very basic level, uh, he wants us to respond when he is letting us know that he wants us to do something. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know when I'm talking to them. And if you are a follower of God, you should know when he's talking to you whether it's a bumper sticker or, or this or that. It shouldn't always have to be out of Scripture, just uh, his, the stillness of a moment. You just know when God wants you to do something. You just know. And he says, my sheep, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And so we know that God, on a very basic level, God desires, just on a very basic level, God desires obedience from us. He wants us to follow him. He wants us, just on a very basic level, when he says to do something, he wants us to do it. And we know that. And I would believe, we, 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 we talked about, uh, some Sundays back, I asked everybody to raise their hand if they knew right now that they would go back with him if Jesus were to come back right now. And I think, gosh, some 98, 99% of us raised our hand. So I know that most of us have gone past sanctification where we're in this, uh, we've gone past salvation. We're in this process of sanctification uh, where we're just making steps, okay? And during this process of sanctification, I would say that most of us we are doing a good job on a very basic level of just being obedient. I would say that most of us just, and, and, and I would say that I know most of you, just in, in, in being here the last two and a half, three years almost, I would say that I know most of you. And from what I know, I would say that most of us, just on a very basic level, we follow him. When we know God wants us to do something, we do it. And that's amazing. Uh, I do want to present this to you, though, that, and, and, and this will be the last thing I talk about, that there is more to obedience than there is more to obedience than being good. There's more to obedience than being good, okay? Ultimately, there's another, another level of this, and it, it goes to the level of fulfilling a purpose that bears fruit. Fulfilling a purpose that bears fruit. 
Uh, there's more to being doing what God wants you to do. All of us here, there's more to doing what God wants you to do. And hear this, because I'm going to end with this. There's more to doing what God wants you to do than just being good. Okay? There's more to that than just being good. Um, I remember in kindergarten, gosh, uh, I remember being in kindergarten. I was either five or six or whatever. And at the time in kindergarten, man, I mean, you could just do, you didn't have to really prove a knowledge of anything, at least at the kindergarten I went to. Um, if you were just good, teachers say, hey, sit down. You sit down. You know, hey, uh, it's nap time. Go to sleep. Put stuff in the cubby hole. Man, I miss cubby holes. Am I the only one that misses cubby holes, James? You ever miss cubby holes with me? Gosh, anyway, I don't give up on that because I don't even have that here. Um, and, so, and so just being good was, would, would be enough to get you through kindergarten. But at some point in the progression, starting in first grade, being good isn't enough. You get to a point to where now you have to purposely produce fruit. And, 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 and I would, I, I would it, it's crazy because I think that so many people in their relationship with God are just stuck on being good. Just stuck on being good and haven't moved past that. Raise your hand if you know, we, we haven't just said this before. Raise your hand if you know for a fact uh, what God's purpose is for your life. What, other than treating your neighbor, let me finish this question. Other than uh, being a good person, treating your neighbor right, loving your wife and husband and your kids and, and reading your Bible and praying and just being a good person, treating people how you want them to be treated, how God says you should treat them. Other than that, that basic level of obedience, raise your hand if you know for a fact what God wants you to do with your life. You know for a fact. And if you don't, it's fine. Raise your hand. But if you know for a fact, a fact, raise your hand. Okay. Um, and, and, and so at some point, we have to graduate past this just being good to start fulfilling purpose. God desires for every single one of us in this room to fulfill a purpose that bears fruit. He desires that for every single one of us in this room. The Bible says in Matthew 21, uh, I want to say it says it also in Mark 12, but it says it twice in Matthew and Mark. It tells about the story of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus got hungry and he came up on this tree and the tree was not bearing fruit and Jesus cursed the tree and killed it. The Bible says right then the tree started to wither away and the next time him and the disciples came by sometime later, the Bible says they could see that the tree was dying and Jesus cursed it because it was bearing fruit. How seriously does Jesus take us bearing fruit that, that he would say, you're not going to sit up here in my universe and soak up this rain and, 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 and soak up this sunlight and not bear fruit. And I want you to know that God takes you bearing fruit seriously. John, 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 uh, John has a way of telling me this. His way of telling me is, he says, dear, don't get fat. Now, now, he doesn't mean the physical sense. I've done that. Uh, I'm way, it's way too far for that. It's too late for that. I've already done that, um, as we talked about last time. But he, it's, it's his way of telling me, you're soaking up all this word and encouragement. You, ne you now need to produce fruit. 
You need to produce fruit. And you need to do it with the purpose that God meant for you. And it's crazy. Somehow within living for God, I think purpose so many times, purpose just gets lost. It's almost like we don't want to talk about purpose. It's just like live for God and do the basic things you want you to do. Forget purpose and the reason you're here. And, 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 and I'm guilty of the same. Uh, I remember the time as, as, a, uh, as a, I was 21 I remember being in church, and I remember this certain day in church. I'll never forget this day as long as I live. I was in Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. My father was the pastor. I was, he was preaching at the, at the moment. I was sitting on the, uh, the left side of the church, two pews from the back, on the far left side of the pew. And I remember he was preaching, and I remember just the words soaking into my heart. And it, was, it was so good, and I lift my hands, and I said, God, thank you. And I remember saying out loud, God, I can do this forever. I can come to this church, sit two pews from the back, and just soak up this good word and this Holy Spirit. I can do this every Sunday for the rest of my life. And it was, it was kind of weird to describe. It was almost like I felt a hand uh, spiritually kind of hit me in the back of the head. Like, you must be kidding me. You must be kidding me. You're not going to sit here and just soak up all this. And, 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 and do you not know that to whom much is given, much is required? And for all of you who are here, it's, it's crazy because you, you think of the picture of the sheep and uh, all of us probably seen this picture at some point or another. You've seen the picture of the sheep uh, and the shepherd and the shepherd, you know, the shepherd's Jesus and he's holding the little sheep and he's, you know, uh, he may be petting it or whatever. And we can obviously see that he loves the sheep. You can see that in the picture. He loves the sheep and the sheep love him and he's holding the sheep and there's obviously relationship there. But we forget the reason that they are taking care of the sheep in the first place. He wants his wool. We forget one of the reasons that Jesus compares us to sheep is that sheep, unlike most other animals, are full of purpose. Full of purpose. They may not look that good, but they're full of purpose. They can't defend themselves worth a lick, but they're full of purpose. They're not the smartest uh, uh, animal in the animal kingdom, but they are full of purpose. From the wool that they produce to even their very skin, uh, lamb skin is, is, is very, makes for amazing leather. They produce milk. Uh, shepherds have been getting milk from sheep before cows ever came into the picture, before getting it from cows ever became a thing. Uh, for thousands and thousands of years, shepherds have been getting sheep from milk. They have, from what we know, some of the best milk. That milk can be used to produce uh, two or three, I think it's three different types of cheese, and very good cheese. Sheep are full of purpose. And ultimately, you know, God, God has relationship with you, but it's not all about that. He wants you to get to know him, but it's not all about that. And, and, and he's feeding you like Psalms 23 says. He's, he's taking you by the green grass. And he's uh, feeding you by the still waters. He's doing all that. He restores your soul. Now, ultimately, he does all that so that you can fulfill your purpose in a way that glorifies him. And don't get it twisted. He wants your wool. 
He wants your milk. He wants your cheese. And it is very natural that you ask God, that the created, ask the creator, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Why did you create me? And if you don't know that, I, 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 I beg you individually to get on your knees and start to ask God that question. Why'd you make me? God made you for a reason. God, every single one of you here, there is not one, there is not one lamb in the flock that the shepherd doesn't want anything from. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a shepherd. There's no such thing as a sheep it, 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 within the flock. The shepherd just says, oh, you, everybody else except you. I don't, I don't want anything from you. I don't want your milk. I don't want your wool. You do it. Just, just let's just be in a relationship and let's talk every day and, 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 and you're good. I don't want anything from you. No, 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 no. Ultimately, the purpose of the relationship is that he bring about purpose in us that glorifies him. And if you don't know what that purpose is, I beg you to get in his face. It is not something that John can tell you. It is not an answer that I can give you. Only your creator can tell you that. I have an uh, iPhone somewhere, somewhere in this building. Um, need to, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> I need to find it at some point. Um, I have an iPhone. And so if I had any questions about my iPhone and, 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 and what it was meant for and what it's supposed to do and what this supposed to do and that's supposed to do. And it has some different things. I don't know everything with it. Um, if I had any questions about it, I can very simply call Apple because they made it and they can tell me every single thing about it and what it was supposed to do. And I want you to know with every single person here, God's not sitting here wondering, uh, you know, what your apps are for. Every single one of you in here, you, you have different things. You have things that uh, some of us have strengths that others of us don't have. Some of you are good with people. Some of you not. Some of you uh, have, are, are good musically. Some of you not. Some of you can sing. Some of us can't. And, and we all have gifts that other ones don't have. And some of us, you have apps that other ones of you don't have. And God's not sitting here wondering what your apps are for. And he knows. And if you would just call him, if you would just talk to him, he can tell you what you were meant to do. Every single one of you in this room, you have gifts that cater to your purpose. You have gifts that align themselves with your purpose. I have a gift to do this. I have a gift to do what I'm doing, and it's because he expected me to do it. And it is sin if I don't do this. Why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And so you have expectations based on what he gave you. And you need to, number one, know what he gave you. What's in your tool belt? What do you have? If, if you have a wrench, I doubt very seriously he wants you to hammer something. Look, look, look at what you have in the reservoir of your gifts, and it'll give you some inkling as to what God actually wants you to do. It should give you some inkling as to what your purpose is. But we need to get in the face of our creator. I, I, I beg you over the next week or two or three, please, ma'am, please, sir, talk to your creator and, and start having that conversation. God, God, this relationship thing has been good. I've enjoyed uh, all this eating and drinking and, 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 and getting to know you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Why did you make me? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. We thank you, God, for uh, being so good to us.
God, we ask that you uh, give us clarity over the next week or two or month or six months even, however long it takes. God, help us to realize what our purpose is and what you want us to do. God, you've been building in us. You've been pouring into us. Uh, you've been giving us so, you've given us so much, but help us to know what you require of us past just a basic level of obedience. Help us to know what that is and give us clarity. Uh, I heard a quote the other day that said the two greatest days in a man's life or in a woman's life is uh, the day he was born and the day he found out why. And God, help us to know why. Help us to ask the boldness to ask our creator that question. In Jesus' name, amen.